I just want to make sure that, you know, we have enough takes on that. Yeah, you couldn't do more. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hi, this is Jennifer. And this is Ralph. We're back with another short story for you. This episode deals with a time before labor laws, at least as we know them. Often you can find graduate students like me who work over 40 hours a week, and that can be draining. Limiting the work week would be great, but it extends the time that I work on my research project. I've been a student over a decade, and I'm ready to leave. And there are so many ways that labor laws impact our lives. Like, why should employees have to report even the tiniest work accidents when it seems like it's more trouble than it's worth? Although the regulations sometimes seem inconvenient, these laws are in place for a reason. We've invited Evan Perkins, a friend of Bone Lab Radio, to read a story about the horrific things that can happen when there's nothing to stop workers from being exploited. Welcome to the Bone Lab. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> tell me when to start. Whenever you're ready. All right. Get ready for a tale of despicable greed, some pretty horrifying chemistry, and a simple matchbook. William Bryant and Francis May were two English businessmen living in the 1860s that decided to get into the match business. However, this was a more problematic business plan than you might expect. To us modern folk, matches may seem like a somewhat boring product to get into, but matches were quite a big deal for the people of the mid-19th century. The first mass-produced matches meant that suddenly, beginning a quick fire to light your pipe, or stove, was no longer a cumbersome process involving flint and tinder. However, these first matches had their own set of issues. Unlike the safer, more processed red phosphorus that is used to make modern matches, these bad boys, appropriately enough nicknamed Lucifer matches, were made out of the more unstable white phosphorus, which is a simultaneously wondrous and horrifying material that will spontaneously combust into flame at temperatures of more than 86.5 degrees Fahrenheit, which makes it rather dangerous to work around at the best of times. Even worse, chronic exposure to white phosphorus dust causes a condition called phosphorescent necrosis of the jaw, colloquially known as fossy jaw. Those with fossy jaw would begin suffering painful toothaches and swelling of the gums. Over time, the jawbone would begin to abscess. Affected bones would glow a greenish-white color in the dark. The condition also caused serious brain damage. Surgical removal of the afflicted jawbones could save the patient. Otherwise, death from organ failure would invariably follow. The disease is extremely painful and disfiguring to the patient, with dying bone tissue rotting away, accompanied by a foul-smelling and glow-in-the-dark discharge. However, as you can imagine, even for those lucky survivors, removal of the jawbone had serious effects on the patient's ability to eat, leading to further health conditions including malnutrition. Without getting into too much detail, fossy jaw is a distinctly unpleasant and invariably fatal condition that causes the afflicted individual's bones, usually the jaw, to begin glowing in the dark with the eerie white glow of phosphorus before dissolving away altogether. Not something you would wish on your worst enemy, let alone your own paid employees. Brian May were well aware of this rather dreadful side effect of working with white phosphorus. Indeed, their original business plan was specifically to import and manufacture matches made with red phosphorus 
as massive rates of fossil jaw among match factory workers had been documented as early as 1845. However, they quickly discovered that public demand for the more expensive safety matches was lower due to their higher costs. The Bryant and May workforce was made up of largely of young women, some of them literal children, as remember, this is 1860s England, who did not have a lot of money or family support or medical access, putting them in a particularly vulnerable position. And even as the years went by, and the incidence of Fosse Jaw among the Bryant and May match workers went from isolated observation to clear pattern, Bryant and May kept manufacturing these Lucifer matches, living up to that namesake quite ably. Finally, in 1888, the London match girls at Bryant and May finally went on strike to protest the intolerable working conditions that, in addition to Fosse Jaw, included 14 hour workdays, frequent use of child labor, and frequent wage deductions for any real or imagined destruction of company property. But that was more than 20 years of literally dozens of workers in this factory contracting and dying from this horrific, painful condition, and management taking no actions whatsoever to change things. The strikers did eventually prevail and gained from Bryant and May some marvelous concessions, including a 12-hour cap on a workday, and being allowed to eat meals in rooms not contaminated with a chemical that would slowly kill them. Though unbelievably, the UK didn't actually ban the manufacture of white phosphorus matches until 1910. Bryant and May went to jail for knowingly ending dozens of their own employees' lives in the pursuit of profit, and white phosphorus was banned forever by all civilized nations. <laughs> Just kidding about that last part. They actually got off completely scot-free, and both died rich men, neither from Fosse Jaw, sadly enough with their company making matches well into the 1970s. And white phosphorus munitions are still used by militaries around the globe, including that of the United States, as a particularly vicious weapon of war. So audience, I leave you with this. The next time you light a match and that pungent chemical smell fills your nostrils, take a moment to thank your lucky stars that you never had to work for William Bryant and Francis May, the worst bosses of all time. Fortunately, there are numerous labor laws in place that protect American workers from negligent employers. However, for unrelated reasons, Fosse Jaw is making a comeback. The world is getting older. I'm getting older. You're getting older. And as we age, our bones change and they become brittle. More and more people are living with osteoporosis. And unfortunately, the most widely prescribed drug treatment for bone loss occasionally causes Fosse Jaw. This class of drugs is phosphorus-based, leading to the technical diagnosis of bisphosphonate-associated osteonecrosis of the jaw, or bisphosphy jaw. Thank you for listening. This episode was produced by our team, Jennifer Fish, Jenny Chi, Kate Warwanowitz, and me, Ralph St. Louis. If you like this episode, you can subscribe, rate, and write us a review online. We are on social media, and our blog is at bonelabradio.org. We also post a track list for the songs in every episode on our blog. See you next time. I don't know that I would say the until next time, but we'll hear you next time. We'll bisbald. That's a German. <laughs>